cleverly, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Levity, levity, donks. It is Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. And this right here, yes, it is Morning Combat, the best damn combat sports talk show in the world period. My name is Brian Campbell, CBS Sports, Showtime, the labels that pay me. Uh, tomorrow night, NBC Sports also going to pay me more on that to come. But uh, no, it's not Friday, and no, I'm not wearing this color shirt because I think it's stylish or I'm a big Miguel Cotto fan, but your boy Luke Thomas of those same networks is sitting next to me virtually. He is a little bit under the weather post-second vaccine shot. So your boy BC going to step up today. In fact, if we can put the ISO camera out just for a second, look at me. Gaff, look at me. Look at me. I'm the captain now. All right? Believe that. Uh, so Luke's under the weather. I wanted to give him a little Pepto-Bismol feel to feel better. Luke, <laughs> shot two of uh, Moderna is in your ball bag. Uh, please tell the folks how you are helping saving the planet. Yeah, I'm fine. I mean, I'm just, uh, you know, here, my dad is 80 and he got the Moderna shots and he had no symptoms either time. Uh, I'm, I'm actually fine. I don't have a headache. I don't have nausea. I don't have a sore throat. None of that. I'm not in any kind of pain or discomfort. I'm just tired. Like, it's, I'm like, it's hard for me to draw a breath. Um, sluggish. I, you know, but I can't sleep, which is weird. So I was like, you know what, man? I, I don't think it's a good idea for, uh, you know, a man who feels like he's been sedated to be hosting morning combat. Not a good idea. So, BC, I appreciate your flexibility and ability to drive the ship the way it needs to be driven. Well, normally the irony there is that 20, 24 hours to go, Luke, I want to be sedated, but not for morning combat. <laughs> and, uh, Luke, the bad news for you is we have an absolutely loaded show today. A lot of mixed martial arts and boxing news headlines to react to. Set the stage for a loaded UFC 261 card with some storylines heading into the weekend. And then... Those fun as ball side segments where maybe it's a good news day, Luke, that your boy BC's taking over on hump day. Because like doc number two, it's going to be BC heavy today. We got fan subs. We got SJW. And we're going to spin that wheel of death as well. Ooh. It's back after a week off uh, where we are going to dig deep into Luke Thomas's psyche and get <laughs> him to provide good faith responses to questions he does not want to answer. So let's do a little tidy housekeeping. If you like what you see here. And God damn it, do you, right? You know what I'm saying? You know, like, how good, right on the lips, how good does this feel right now, right? Uh, like the video, subscribe. 83,000 people can't be wrong on YouTube, but I know there's a lot of you out there who are watching this one for free, right? Free 99 every day. Uh, why don't you do us the very least and hit subscribe there? We got a lot of big things to come. I've mentioned it before. We're getting two of every kind of animal. That arc is being built. Don't get lost in the flood. Also, you can start your 30-day trial of our very nice partners and employers there at Showtime. Why? Because it's the home of combat sports. Showtime Championship Boxing kicks off a loaded spring, summer, and fall schedule May 15th. And how about May 7th? The return Friday night of Bellator. Not only going to get Juan Archuleta, Sergio Pettis for the Bantamweight title, but Rumble Romero, the final quarter-final matchup in the Bellator Light Heavyweight World Grand Prix. If you head over to show.com slash Bellator MMA, uh, here's the deal. 30 days free and $4.99 a month for your first six months. 
just a reminder that Showtime is the only place you can catch Bellator. So check that out indeed. Store.show.com is another great website if you want to outfit yourself in a little bit of what we do here with the MK Merch tumblers. Some of the most comfortable and artisan sweatshirts, t-shirts that you can find on the market, uh, beanies if you're into that. And also we have uh, firm, firm belief to say publicly that the month of May, which is right around the corner, uh, merch line 2.0 will start international shipping coming inside joke merch coming your way. A lot of great stuff. Look, it's a, it's a great time to be alive. It's a great time to host a two man combat sports podcast show hosted by only Americans. So morning combat has your back, but we are going global and that's all I've got to say. Luke, I'm going to limit your speech today. So I'm trying to only hit you with questions that really matter. I only want your analysis on things that are blowing up the interweb. So before we get into our five topics today, Luke, I'd be remiss if I didn't hit up a pair of breaking news elements to two different former UFC women's bantamweight stars. Gaff, I know I hit you up last minute, but I got to bring this in a little bit of congratulations to maybe MMA's biggest power couple, Luke. September 22nd, it's coming. The baddest baby on the planet, Ronda Rousey and Travis Hoppe, or maybe we should call him Big Papa Brown. Uh, they're expecting, Luke. We're four months into this journey. Your thoughts? Um, I'd be lying if I said I cared, uh, but congrats to them. Okay. Okay. Luke, well, that was very, uh, very, uh, very judicious of you. Very fair. Oh, what? You really, you just, you lose sleep at night just thinking about this. Like you just, it's top of mind. You don't give a shit either. You know, Luke, you can like or hate Ronda's reactions to wins and losses, but this is about people, Luke. Okay. This is about yeah, life. No, okay, listen, I'm not like, uh, uh, listen, you, we, we both, we, we've both had kids. I hope the kid is healthy. Everyone's happy. Like you know, you don't wish misery, but like, do I do I care? No, I don't. I don't. I don't care. Okay. Well, maybe you'll care about this, knowing your preferences in life. The other bit of uh, breaking news involving a former female UFC women's bantamweight star is Betch Cohea is in a committed relationship, and she's very happy. Luke. Okay. I know she could be a little bit, you know, a bit of a handful, but I'm very happy for her, Luke. She she went public with it today. Um, your thoughts. Just, just a very classy photo. <laughs> uh, look, I, I had to, I had to ask you what you thought about that. I had to, right? Listen, that's my wheelhouse right there. You know, okay. I'm not, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I, uh, okay. yeah. God bless her, and you know, Instagram is is a wonderful, wonderful thing. I'll say you that. betcha, you betcha. Shout out to Britton Hart and Joey Beltran, who are also uh, have who's been the lucky guy. Cupid Zero. I don't know Luke, but he seems pretty lucky. All right, so shout out to that man. All right, indeed, indeed, right there. Wow. Uh, one more bit of business. We recorded this weekend. It went live this morning. Please check it out. Morning combat resume review, getting you fired up for two six one this Saturday. About who? Hey, how about Jorge Gamebred Masvidal, who has had one of the more interesting runs from every man quasi-contender to overnight sensation star and legitimate title challenger entering Saturday's rematch with Kamaru Usman. Luke, this show was so uh, so good, so in-depth, so detailed given Jorge's unique career. We went two full hours, brother, and I'm very happy, uh, thanks to Mikey Mormont producing it, for what yep. we were able to put out there to the people. Yeah, so. I'm pretty happy with it, too. You know, obviously there's a lot of stupid jokes from people that have been in car accidents about this, you know, curse thing. Uh, but it's like, this is, in all, in all serious, in all seriousness, like, in all sincerity, I should say, um, part of the reason why we do this is because it's not like Jorge Masvidal is not popular, 
But he's only been popular the last, what, couple of years? 2019 really is more or less when that kicked off for him. And so, you know, there's a huge portion to his biography. I just don't feel like people know or know all that well. Right. We've been around a little while. We obviously did some homework to complement our experiences. But I, the reality is I like to tell these fighters stories. You know, listen, maybe look, he's probably going to lose on Saturday, you know. And so they're gonna, the jokes are going to continue. But, like, fine, make the jokes. But in all seriousness, BC, and I know you agree on some level, I don't want folks to lose sight of what we're trying to do. And we're trying to bring some historical uh, significance to the present moment. And especially for a guy like Jorge, where he was never really examined uh, up until the very last chapter of his career. And look, like like any great resume review that we put in the effort, you end up finding out you learn things or you relearn things that totally. you either didn't know or time has changed your perspective. So uh, is Jorge a little bit more interesting than the still-in-process career of the great Kamaru Usman? Probably. So we went that route this time. It's going to be up to Gamebred, Luke, to, I don't know, try to prove us wrong that this morning combat resume review uh, curse isn't real, okay? It's up to you. Yeah. I don't fight. But it's not, right? it's not, I, it's know, not right or wrong. It's not real, that, which is the major difference there. But also, I was thinking about this. We've done, we've done. Let's see. We did Connor. We did a mini one on Tyron, uh, Adesanya. Now Jorge. Uh, we did one on Stipe too. So those are the five, right? All of those guys are when we did it. All of those guys are over thirty, and many of them are closer to forty than they are thirty. The fact that they lose, I think, probably comes from the fact that they're a lot more senior. By the time you have a story to tell about someone's long biography, excuse me, they're at the end of it. So there you go. I mean, Luke may may talk again a very you know Switzerland uh, politically correct game in terms of there's no uh, there's no curse here. You guys are how, all how is declaring but, something to not be true Switzerland? Switzerland didn't I'll take always, a position hold deep in my heart the texts and dms you send me where you're like hey maybe we should extend this brand to international journalists maybe we should look at you know <laughs> politicians or polish straw weights and really try and i'm like no look you know we we hold a certain power we need to be responsible with that power all right enough. hey enough fooling around here why don't we get into the business at hand the top five headlines of your day today on April 21st, 2021. Hey, it starts with Dana White. Look, the UFC president is back uh, in the public eye view this week because it's UFC 261 in Jacksonville. The big storyline surrounding that, of course, are obviously the triple header of title fights. We'll get into that in a little bit. But also the fact that this will be the first UFC card since the pandemic to be in front of a full house, 15,000 plus there in Jacksonville, sold out in less than a minute. Dana did the rounds with the likes of that uh, that sexual beast himself, Kevin Ioli of Yahoo Sports, and also our friend Aaron Bronstetter of TSN. Luke, I'm going to sh- you know set up a couple of these categories and responses and then maybe get your, your couple-word reaction. Uh, up when it comes to Dana White, in his opinion to all that went down with the Jakar Close Jeremy Steven shove from last week's UFC Fight Night card. He said, look, there is a rule. That's why we're there. Sean Shelby missed that one. He was, of course, the UFC matchmaker who was in between them. He went on to basically say, you know, we got a rule that we don't let this happen. And Sean kind of missed it. He should have known that Jeremy Stevens was a hothead and a savage. I mean, we're not standing there to look good and take pictures. We're there to make sure that thing doesn't happen. Luke, he's saying... Shelby should have known. Your thoughts on on passing the blame here from Uncle Dana? He's not wrong. Um, so for folks who don't know the rule, it's not a UFC rule. That's actually an athletic commission rule. To the extent you have any face-offs, 
either as part of weigh-ins or media <laughs> responsibilities, the the promoter is required by the rules of licensing, aka the law, to at least be a present uh, on the stage. Now, I don't know that they need to have their hand in between the fighters or a hand on either fighter or uh, anything else there. But if you got, uh, if you go and watch, for example, BC. If you go and watch fights from like the early to mid 80s and you watch face-offs that happened in Las Vegas, there's no promoter on stage. It's just the two fighters and then fucking melees break out all the time. So they changed the rule. They made them they made the promoter required to be there and then to intervene in the event of conflict. Um he didn't really do that, you know. Uh Dana is to me, you know, <laughs> Not exactly a guy who deserves the benefit of the doubt on, frankly, anything he says. But in this case, if you look up his claims and look about where they come from, listen, even if um, Sean Shelby had intervened, BC, you have to ask yourself a question. Would that have stopped it? That's a different debate. But just standing back and not doing anything, yeah, you're there, but you're only really there in spirit. You needed to be more there um, anticipatory actions, and he wasn't. So, frankly, I, I kind of get it. Actually, I wonder if this is a, a coded message to Sean Shelby to get in that weight room. Maybe call up <laughs> Lorenzo, find out what he is injecting, Luke, and maybe be more prepared. Here's the the deal on this. Like, okay, for for the look of your brand, do you want guys scuffling at at weigh-ins in, in this type of situation? No, but at the same time, like, a, it's a fight, so these guys are animals that are getting ready to do it. B Dude, this does so much for marketing, right? One of the greatest moments in UFC history is what? Dave Schaller getting trampled, the former UFC head of PR, in between John Jones and Daniel Cormier in the MGM lobby, Luke, which you referred to once as the Triller announce booth. <laughs> Akin, right? Uh, look, that was one of the greatest moments because it, nobody got hurt in the end. Obviously, they could have, but that produced so much interest in that fight and really kicked off a rivalry that I'm not even sure is over. I don't want it to be over, Luke, okay? Uh, keep fighting, you know what I mean? For, for a rivalry that good, despite two, you know, clear and concise victories for one guy, it's a lot because of that freaking moment. You have a job as a promoter. Like, I was watching Ray Flores, of, who was working for Triller. He was in between Teofimo Lopez and George Cambosos when they did that press conference last week. And he said the right thing. He's like, hey, guys, you don't get paid to fight right here. You know, back up, save your, your energy for, for fight night when you do get paid. The reason why that's smart for promoters is because you can have lawsuits, you can have injuries, you can have arrests, you can have bad things happen if guys are trading shots and it goes south. But look, the fan in me wants to see that at the same time. And I, I've never been in that role except for briefly when I hosted PBC's Face to Face, the interview show in 2019 on Fox, which pit two fighters in, in you know at the Fox uh, studio lot in LA sitting on a small table. We only had one episode. It was Tony Harrison and Jermel Charlo, which really got heated. And you know, there's times I'm thinking, and I asked the producers beforehand, if this gets on, what's my role in this? You want me to break it up? You want me to get out of the way? Like, what do you want to do? And it's, it's interesting, Luke. Do you think the promoters should be absolute with this and be in line with the commission or realize that a little bit of this, it really helps. It really adds to what we're trying to build here. Yeah, but like what Stevens did doesn't. The guy got a concussion and the fight was off. Like pretty obviously that was bad for business. What's your so point how do you is, manage is that, that? How do you manage it then? Um, I mean, listen, again, that's the debate. The debate is had Sean Shelby had a hand up in between them like this, 
would that have been enough to deter them? And there's really no way to know. It's a perfectly fine debate to have, and maybe some people think it would have. Maybe some people think it would have had no effect. Either way, it's unfair to blame Sean for the actions of uh, one individual fighter. But it's like, also, dude, like again, you are tasked by law with managing this. If you don't do anything, um, part of that culpability falls on you. So... I would say, yeah, listen, getting guys face-to-face is important. Um, Obviously, when there's melee, it's great for the brand Uh, in terms of the promotion. Like the fight, as you mentioned, between um, DC and John Jones and the MGM Grand was just brilliant for business. And they used it. And they used it when Connor chucked a dolly at a bus. And they've used all this stuff. So, like, it's a complicated thing. It's, It's kind of contradictory. On the one hand, it's bad for business. On the other hand, it's great for business. But I will say... Having a presence up there so you can avoid fights falling out, yeah, that that seems to me like a line in the sand anybody could understand not wanting to cross. It's hard. You want to get as close to that line as possible. I mean, why? Let's be really honest with ourselves. You can call me the gas station eating pro wrestling fan all day, and okay, that's fine. But you know, eighty percent of the audience that actually tunes in for a ceremonial weigh-in, Luke. They tune in with the hope that these guys push each other. You've been in Vegas with me covering fights. We schedule it in advance. We're going to be at that weigh-in inside the arena on Friday. Do you know when it sucks? When nothing happens and we're like, wow, that was a waste of it. an hour, right? You go, you watch an adult movie for what, Luke? The dialogue? <laughs> oh, uh, many reasons. Uh, dialogue, I mean, really, probably like, not chief among them. but So, so you got to find a way to harness it. You know, and you, I don't know if it's a clear glass wall between them. I don't know. Whatever, Luke. Let's keep it rolling here, though. Dana had a lot of thoughts, and I'm sorry whether you love him or not. When Dana speaks, it is news. He addressed the $2 million bet with Snoop Dogg for the Jake Paul Ben Askren fight. We remember Snoop Dogg celebrating wildly on the Triller broadcast. He's even using the N word when Jake Paul won, saying Dana owed him $2 million. Uh, Luke, this was a conversation that I believe started was it the Hot Boxing podcast with Mike Tyson, where they had a little fun debate? about who would win. Am I, I right? I think with that's this? right. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, Dana says, I don't even want to say it. I don't even want to say what I think happened in that fight. I think he's talking about a potential fix. That's just me filling in my editorial blank. But he says, I can tell you this. I don't know Snoop 2 million. I never bet. Let me make it clear right now to everybody. I have never made an illegal bet. I did not make an illegal bet on Saturday. I did not bet Snoop 2 million or anybody. Uh, Luke, I, I, I want twofold here. Uh, what, both kind of involve, you know, the, 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 the norms of sh- street life. What, what, what's the man code in this one? If you make a, a, an aggressive verbal bet on camera and you're a rich guy to another rich guy and it's a podcast that goes out there, is that enough? Is that a handshake? Is that a blood contract that you owe money? One. Number two, you're telling me Dana White's never made an illegal bet. <laughs> That's a good point. He's probably made a billion of them. Um, let me let me plead ignorance on this one. Why is the bet illegal? I actually don't understand anything about this. Because because it's illegal. It's illegal to, to to in a bet where gambling in a state where gambling isn't legal, right? It's illegal to call your bookie and 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 enter organized crime, quote unquote, and make a bet, right? So some states have regulated it and legalized it, so the state gets a cut and there's some built-in protection. If you bet. $2 million among friends, technically, Luke, I guess it's illegal, right? Because technically you're circumventing the government system. It's like I can get I can get marijuana through your medical card, right? But I can't I can't buy it from you if you grow it in your backyard and we're not in a state that has those rules, right? But I guess I'm trying to understand why can't two entities, independent of everything else, 
have a gentleman's bet without government oversight. Why is that? Is that illegal? Like if we bet $5 on something, is that illegal? Well, you know, you've heard for years people saying in certain work uh, environments that, uh, you know, NCAA tournament brackets or even fantasy football leagues, you know, some bosses are like, I don't want any of that in my office because technically it's illegal. So, I see. okay. Yeah, I don't believe that at all. I'm sure that he paid up. <laughs> I think he's just doing this because so, uh, there was probably some attorney at UFC. And by the way, I don't care. Like, uh, which is to say the following. If he did bet him, I don't see that as any kind of scandal whatsoever. Nothing. I do think that if you make a statement on a podcast publicly, you do have to own up to it. Um, Ooh. Uh, Ooh. You know, if you, I'm going to use that against out, you, Luke. There's if, a lot of tape on you. I'm going to use that against you someday, okay? It's not. Dude, we have a whole section on this show about what we get wrong, which we do unless you're absent every single week. You can't hide from error. You just kind of have to roll with it. Everyone's going to make it. But the point I'm trying to make here is, yeah, if he said it for sure, and if he paid it privately, to me, no issue whatsoever. But do I think he's doing a little bit of face saving? Yeah, I definitely do. All right. Dana was talking to Aaron Bronstetter and was asked about if Masvidal loses to Usman, who's next for Kamaru? Dana says Usman's at a point in his career now where he's looking at who's next again. He went on to say he's coming back and he's going to face... Uh, somebody he's already beat. So obviously, Masvidal took the first fight with Jorge on short notice, so let's give him this fight, meaning the rematch, and we can do away with all the excuses, and then Colby Covington is next. Right move for the promotion, Luke? I think so. Um, obviously, there's always X factors that you should never lose sight of. Um, Nate Diaz is kind of always going to be something of a, in this case, probably a bit of a fringe player, but a player also, the return of Nick Diaz, I still think that that is uh, something of a long shot to get him a fight at this level. Did you see the shape level. he's in? Did you see the IG post from Nick of his, of his abs and the shape yes. he's in? Yes, he appears to be in great cardiovascular condition. Whether that's the same thing as being ready to fight is a little bit different, um, but still, you're right. He looks tremendous on social media. So, you know, you can never lose sight of that. Connor, Nick, Nate, all of them are going to be wild cards in a situation like this, but, but... You're asking about what is a most probable, and frankly, it makes the most sense. Dude, you got to run that one back if, if in fact, um, Usman wins. It was competitive the first time. Remember the scorecards, 1-3-3-1-2-2. It was really down to that fifth round, and yes, obviously, Kamara would have won because he was beating the brakes off of him in that fifth round, so he would have won no matter what. But it, I'm just trying to point out, that was a tight contest. I think Colby Covington may like his chances with the wrestling. Obviously, you're going to have an ugly fight promotion, but to your point you just raised at the beginning of the show, that can also be a double-edged sword where you can get a lot of good out of that. Yeah, dude, that's the fight to make for sure. And honestly, dude, it goes either way, right? If Jorge Masvidal wins this, you're going to do Jorge versus Kumaru three times in a row. You know, they didn't do that for Volkanovski and, and Holloway. Why would they do that here? So in either case, Kumaru versus Colby 2 or Jorge versus Colby 1, either of those, dynamite. We don't often bet our kidneys or our children on this show, but I'll bet everything I own that if Masvidal loses, Usman's getting Colby next. Dana loved the shit out of that first fight. Look, rightfully so. It's one of the most exciting, you know, it was a fight of the year contender. It's one of the best fights in UFC history, straight up. Two elite guys just standing and trading for five rounds. But that's, we've always said, that's the key to Dana's heart, right? Be a loudmouth, be willing to fight anybody, and when you get in there, 
Stand up and let your hands go for five rounds in a blood and guts war. Dana's going to run that ish back. You better believe it. Speaking of running rematches back, Luke, I probably should have let off with this. Of all the Dana insights we learned from these interviews, he told Kevin Ioli, absolutely. Next for Nganu, it's probably going to be the Black Beast, Dana said. At the end of the day, Derek Lewis and Nganu is the fight. That's the fight to make right now. Derek Lewis is a heavyweight. He's been fighting at heavyweight. He earned his shot. He's got a win over Nganu. That's the fight to make. Luke, I want to ask your response in a very sort of uh, pointed way here, okay? Because we're going to respond to this emotionally. We're emotionally fueled to say two things. One, don't marinate. You got the John Jones fight right now. Nganu versus Jones could be one of the best and biggest events you've ever promoted. Make it happen. Two, we're emotionally invested in the idea that fighters need to get paid. Luke, you saw Corey Anderson, current Bellator light heavyweight, tweet yesterday, which basically said in his last two Bellator fights, he's made more than his entire UFC career combined. I think he even said like twice as more, Luke, if I'm correctly uh, retelling that tale. So the emotional response in us is pay the fighters what they deserve. Pay John the millions. Make that fight. Is there a potential, though, that we're missing something business and matchmaking-wise? And I'll just say this. I don't think Derek Lewis should be next. I do think it'll be a great fight. But Derek Lewis did beat Ngannou. It is one of the worst fights of all time, but Derek Lewis beat him. He is technically the, you know, the next in line in terms of guys who are active heavyweights since John has yet to make his debut. Is there any chance that we're too emotionally involved in this to see it through the right way? Ready for this? Do you believe that? You know you don't believe no. that. No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm emotional on everything, Luke. I mean, come on, yeah. you know? Dude, you know, it's funny. Like, I remember the first time I went to, um, so it, follow me here, but it'll make sense. I, I was in, you know, you know, the first time I was in, um, I did a field oper- uh, operation at Fort AP Hill for artillery. I remember we had to climb this tower. And, uh, you know, you're climbing up this thing, and it's, it's going to hold, but it's fucking rickety. And I'm like, this is not, I, I, I don't think I'm in danger, but boy, this is not the best. Th- I mean, don't we have like, you know, laser guided missiles and shit? We can't get a nicer one of these fucking things. And what they explained to me was for infrastructure like that on base, the military, Marine Corps in particular, they will give the contract to the lowest bidder. So the person who's like, I'll do this the cheapest, that's who gets the deal, which is why it's not necessarily like dangerous what you're in. But that shit is kind of rickety, and it makes you second-guess the you know, uh, engineering of this whole thing. That's what's happening here. They're giving it to the lowest bidder. You know, They're, they're deciding that the expensive way, uh, which would be, frankly, the appropriate way, is nothing they want to do. Um, uh, you have WME, Endeavor. You have them uh, setting up an IPO. They are not about to raise their prices. Uh, I should say their uh, costs. Um, Ahead of that, no chance on earth. And even if there wasn't an IPO, they're going to fight that tooth and nail. So what are they going to do? We have a great fight, maybe a historic fight we can make that's very expensive. Or we can have one that we can just uh, pump out among a series of other good fights in the calendar, great fights in the calendar, because we have so much control of the best fighters in the game. And maybe this one won't do all that well, but in the grand scheme of things, we're going to have a good year overall with all this contracted revenue. And we don't end up having to get leveraged by elite talent. It is it is the contract 
going to the lowest bidder, and that's the quality, potentially. I mean, maybe the fight could be better than I'm giving it. It probably isn't that going to be as bad as the first one. Maybe it's even pretty good, but it's not what it's supposed to be, and that's the reason why. There's the, I say this often, but these are one of those cases where I wish Dana would just be tra- completely transparent with us so that we, we get what he's going after. If his stance is this, yes, it's a risk, but I could make Francis Ngannou double as, you know, potentially marketable and popular should he go in there and knock out a popular guy in Derek Lewis, which could mean the John Jones fight could be even bigger. And oh, by the way, I also might be able to talk John in the meantime into making his pay- his heavyweight debut in a pay-per-view main event, maybe against somebody he could beat, should beat pretty easily. And that would not only pump up the idea that John at heavyweight is a legitimate thing, but maybe also make John happy. Now, I don't have any inside leads on this, but what if they offered him Brock Lesnar? What if they offered him right. an aging heavyweight name who you're like, oh, he's going to beat that guy, but it's also an event. It also gives John another big payday. Okay, we're not going to give you, let's say, John... 25 million for Ngannou, but what if we give you two large paydays back to back? I mean, there's something to say there. If it's a gamble that if it works out, it could work out very well for the UFC. But obviously, uh, you know, he's the boss for a reason. They've had detailed, long success. But if you ask me right now, come on, it's got to you got to go, Jones. You know, this is uh, this should tell you what you know whether or not the UFC is a monopoly or a monopsony. That is for the courts to decide. If you look at the arguments that either side have made in that case, these are highly complex arguments about economic models far above most of our pay grades. And when I say far, I mean, you know, a lifetime of, of erudition on this subject. So I'll leave that for the courts to decide. But I think what I would say is they do hold substantial control because the idea is in theory, BC, and you know this too, the market is not every time, but it's supposed to work in such a way where if there's extraordinary fan demand that produces the fights and or if fights are delivered that are relative to the highest standard, something you know one or two or maybe even three steps below that, it's supposed to come with such rejection in the market that the promoter has an incentive to avoid that kind of thing. But here the promoter has so many resources across so many weight classes across both genders that they can afford to just flip out a dud that no one really asked to see. And it won't matter. There might be other good fights on that card. And the next event could be Conor McGregor versus, you know, whoever the fuck. And everyone just forgot about that. Boy, I got to tell you, if you can inoculate yourself, no pun intended, from what are supposed to be the market forces that shape incentives and behavior, you are cooking with gas. And that is exactly what the UFC has. So once the fighters want to get together and change that, it's just going to be what it's going to be. Uh, quickly, uh, Dana said on Connor Dustin three, Luke, he's, he shot down any conspiracy theories that the public tweeting war between Connor and Dustin about the fight falling apart was somehow staged to increase demand. You know, he said, look, we've been doing this for 20 years. You're crazy. If you believe that the fight did almost fall apart, but they made it happen. Great news all around on that. The final bit of information, Luke, it got a lot of play. Uh, here we go. Dana was asked about, you know, uh, masks and quarantine safety for all the 15,000 plus that will be be in attendance on Saturday as look let's give the UFC credit they are always first on this kind of stuff here's Dana's quote in Jacksonville everything is going is opening up again even in Vegas it's going to open up June 1st but 100% open in Vegas in July there's still going to be some things that are set in place we are still going to have a bubble for the athletes and things like that but as for the fans you can wear a mask or you cannot wear a mask. It's up to you. It's your decision. Luke, he also went on to say essentially that they only had a bubble in place 
because he felt the media needed it so they would feel safe over the past year. And I want to ask you about timing. As soon as this Dana thing went viral, UFC suddenly got a press release that you can see on the screen there saying that they've brought in a third-party company to provide free face offerings for everyone at the next two pay-per-view fights. Your thoughts there, Dr. Fauci? Yeah, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this. I don't even know what to, to start, you know. MMA, where everyone wants you to respect their expertise and hard work, but not people in uh, other fields who have developed expertise through hard work if that expertise bears down on their ability to enjoy and participate in said sport. At that point, it becomes totally permissible to apparently ignore everyone else's expert warnings and opinions. But okay, you know, that's MMA. I mean, here's my thought on this, BC. It's like, you know, at this point, you ha listen, <laughs> we're a year into this, more into this pandemic. Everyone's got their own safety protocol. If you want a vaccine in this country and including in the state of Florida, you can get one. I highly encourage you to get one. But uh, I don't even know what to say anymore because if people don't want to take the kind of precautions, again, not merely to protect themselves, but other vulnerable populations, you know, at this point, any kind of browbeating about it, it's not going to work. So there's no point in wasting my time. The one thing I will say that I found kind of interesting is that like, oh, we went above and beyond with the protocol because the media was, you know, alarmingly scared about all of this. It's like, let me see if I understand this argument correctly. That video he put out, the incredibly misleading one, full of distortions, which just should not be taken seriously by anyone with a mammalian brain. In this video, he makes a series of claims that the media got wrong while not telling the audience that all of those criticisms came before the original Jacksonville show where he instituted all these reforms. Now he is crediting, in a manner of speaking, the media for uh, the high level of protocol that they enacted because they did. They did enact a high level of protocol, which is why they had a very successful year despite the many challenges. So now it's actually, you're, he's not designing to credit the media, but now the media is being credited for this by pushing them into a greater safety direction. Here's my response, BC. You're welcome. That's my response. I am glad to see that UFC President Dana White finally understands that the media was trying to get him to not run around California State Athletic Commission while doing shows in California, and that if you're going to do a show in a state, it should be done under the auspices of the relevant State Athletic Commission with established COVID protocol. Glad to know that the media had a very strong hand in pushing them in a safer direction. I feel better. Yeah, and you know, some people had to become victims in this, like, this mug right here, Luke, on a four-minute salacious video launched right before Christmas. Thank you very much. All right. I mean, what else can we say on there? Obviously, UFC uh, seemed to knee-jerk that, that reaction. I think it's obviously safe and smart to give out free masks to everyone in attendance. I don't think we need this to be a super spreader event where it compromises future big crowds. Look, you know, I mean, the crowds are back in other sports. I want to go to Connor Dustin 3 in July, Luke, hoping that most people in the arena are vaccinized and being safe, but yet still having a full arena with the feel that we used to have. I think we're almost there. I just want to do it smart and safely. Yeah. And uh, sometimes Dana's comments cross into other territories. But look, we have different... Luke, what I've learned in my adult years... We all have different beliefs on everything, okay? Even people inside our families, you can't you can't put everybody over the fire, Luke, okay? We need to live and let live, mm. all right? I will say, I'll give Dana, and I mean this sincerely, I will give him credit on one thing. I will give him credit when he earns it. 
I don't know if he's been vaccinated, and that's a private medical matter. I certainly hope that he has. But he did say something about UFC staff that's heading down there. Any UFC staff, particularly in Nevada, and I think they were trying to do it for those in California as well. I'm not sure where all they have employees throughout the lower 48, um, but they want to get them all vaxxed right away. I'm very glad to see that. I'm very glad that that company put resources towards keeping their employees not merely safe, but again, we know that the vaccines have lowered the rate of transmission, so you're protecting other vulnerable populations. And more to the point, listen, what does the UFC value? They value that the train stays on the tracks. If you have a vaccinated workforce, you're in a much better position to pull off those kinds of things. So, I, I and I mean this unironically, and I mean this sincerely, I, am ve- I was like honestly truly happy to see that i was like okay good work that's what i want to see that's the good kind of stuff so more of that please you, you know it'd be a viral video and a half if dana said all right media all right you a-holes you want me to get vaccinated let's do it let's make it an event because look everybody wants to look i don't like big public shows of certain things right celebrity dies i don't need you putting out a 1800 word facebook post how much david bowie changed changed your life even though you're 15 years old okay i don't need that uh people i voted today i don't need that picture on facebook with the sticker okay congratulations i've voted many times all right luke you know you did what everybody did I, i'm vaccine baby you know look at this yeah okay that's cool luke but what if dana said i'll play your game i'll get vaccinated on camera i want dr luke thomas fauci to prick me and i'll do it right in the ass, ass cheek all right i'll bend over for you brother this is the you worst question imaginable it's not a question luke it's a it's an imagination of of a potential viral video that really shuts down all arguments and fears luke okay you well, you prick that man right you know what I mean? i'll you just i'll just say this you know i say I, yeah mma is firmly entrenched in right-wing politics, the governor is going to be there. The mayor is going to be there. These are two, particularly the uh, the governor, Ron DeSantis, has become something of a um, a star in the Republican Party outside of Trump. They're going to be there. So there's pretty clearly a, a, a political dimension to this. But as I always tell folks, Trump got a vaccine. So what are y'all waiting for? Go do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's, what's, uh, what's in your wallet? All right, Luke, let's continue. People are very upset at this show for doing... 40-something minutes on Monday in reaction yeah. to the Triller pay-per-view, which did big numbers, stole the headlines, Jake, Paul, Ben Askren, all that. I will say to all you people, though, um, you're not going to see a ton of it moving forward because I think what we learned from that broadcast is it's kind of not for us and kind of not sports and boxing. Will we still mention it? Yes, but uh, I got a couple little follow-up tidbits that could be the last we talk about it for a while, Luke. Ben I hope, did the- because I don't think the audience cares anymore. They cared a little bit on Saturday night, enough yeah. to tolerate it on Monday, but I got to tell you, like, there's nothing else to say about this at this point. Well, the only other thing was really hearing Ben Askren's take since he hadn't done media that night. I don't night, care about that think. either. Well, he made the media rounds. I believe he was first with ESPN's Ariel Hawani. They talked at length, Luke. I saw a bunch of the excerpts on Twitter. Askren admitting a few things. He thought the Triller broadcast was uh, was out, was in bad taste in general. And he basically said, look, I didn't care about this fight. Yes, I trained for it. Yes, we worked on uh, keeping my guard high, something that was not only uh, a problem for him in terms of like his natural instincts, but Luke, he admitted basically that he always kept a shitty guard in MMA because his hope was to induce big right hands so he can duck and go for the takedown. Makes sense Mm. if you're a wrestler who has a bad stand-up in MMA. So he said, yeah, I had Tyron Woodley in my corner and in all camp telling me to keep my guard up. I didn't do it. I got caught. It is what it is. But he basically said, look, I have no emotional connection to this fight. I don't know why everybody cares so much. It is, you know, a payday at the end of the day. But it's the details of the payday that are interesting, Luke. He basically says uh, he made more in this fight 
than he did in his entire Bellator and one championship career combined. Hmm. And also that he tried to get pay-per-view points in the negotiation, realized that he probably would have lost the fight if he had kept pushing and essentially took the $500,000 appearance fee. And then, Luke, we don't know what other kind of bonuses there were built into that. Um, are you surprised by this? Did, did he get what he paid for in terms of embarrassment in CTE? Are you going to double down like I did that this smells funny? Do you have any other reaction to Ben's reaction as we put this shit to bed for good? I mean, I hope, you know, um, I hope that's the last of it for him. I well, I hope I it's the say. last of it. And I hope it for the Jake Paul and Triller folks. I hope that's the last of it in the terms of let, let's pick smart opponents here. You're going to pick. Dude, this was limited. the smart opponent. This was a, this was a brilliant opponent. I, I got to okay. say this. Whoever at Triller came up with this idea outdid themselves. This was a very good call on their part. In name value. And in perceived limitation, yes, Luke. But what I'm saying is you got to be careful because nobody wants to exit this talking about, is it fixed, blah, blah, blah. Well, whether it was whether I'm way off or not, Ben Askren clearly didn't get himself um, physically prepared for this, right? He came in kind of a fat shit, Luke, okay? I get, oh, he never has a body guy. Yeah, that's fine. He never looked this fat either. And number two, Luke, I've seen him take more punishment and I've seen him move his head more. So however you want to, you know, sculpt this, uh, this was, I think this is a bad look altogether, you know? Okay, Jake Paul beat him, that's fine, you know? But um, he, he seems to be know. willing to just trade a certain amount of, um, you know, uh, public shame for the money. You know, he owns five academies. I think that the money could probably go pretty far. Um, you know, and if that's a cost that you're willing to, to take to get that kind of money for whatever reason, then, you know, uh, okay, then this is America. But I got to tell you, my appetite for, I mean, because remember, like, Askren did the super wrestling match um, with Jordan Burroughs and got tech falled, which means they stopped it due to mercy. Like, you just got run over. And then he does this, and it went terribly. It's like, and obviously you forget about the Masvidal fight. It's like, I think I think the what he did in his career is very important and exemplary, and he was fun to cover, truly. But but the days are over. It's a, it's just the tr Him being a teacher for the next generation of, of kids... I think is a, uh, a those kids are lucky. They're legitimately lucky to have a guy like Ben teach them how to wrestle, uh, and uh, you know their parents should be quite happy with that. But that's to me where he needs to focus his energy. I'm, I'm I don't want to see this anymore from him. Yeah, I don't want to talk about it anymore. I'm done. All right. Look, what I do want to talk about is our third topic, UFC 261. This weekend, a trio of world title fights. Let's give the UFC credit. This main card's great. These three title fights atop it uh, are fantastic. Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal in the rematch. Rose Nama, Yunus against Whaley Zhang for the strawweight title. And, of course, in the co-main event, Valentina Shevchenko taking on Jessica Andrade, which, Luke, I'm sorry, that might be the last good straw or flyweight title fight we have on the women's side in UFC as long as Valentina is your champion. Luke, all things considered here, uh, what's the biggest storyline entering this fight or what is the storyline that has you most intrigued? For the co-main? For the, for the whole damn fight. The for whole the damn card. No, Luke. The whole damn show, okay, Luke? The whole thing. What's my, my takeaway from the entire fight card? What the hell's the storyline you care about the most, you vaccinated Ah, uh, sorry, sorry. I misunderstood your question. I apologize. Okay, so I would say for the purposes of today's show, let's not count the main event where there's a million storylines you could potentially go to. I would say um, 
I got to tell you, the whole main card is good. The Uriah Hall, Chris Weidman rematch for the first one taking place, I think, on CFFC years ago. Anthony Smith and a bit of a where are you kind of fight with Jimmy Crute, same thing. But I'm going to say I find uh, the co-main and what it says about uh, what's possible with this division where we've been talking about at men's 130, 135 in boxing where you've got all these, we don't call them kings yet, the princes, the Lopez's, the Devin Haney's, and so forth. Dude, you know, obviously Andrade moved up a weight class, but she could go back there. I think at that weight class between Joanna and Zhang Wiley, again, I thought Joanna beat her. I mean, I realized it was close, but I did score it for her. And now you have Rose there. You could be in a situation, man, or a little bit here, where you could just have three, maybe four queens, so to speak, of women's MMA. You had a little bit of that um, at women's bantamweight, and now you're really beginning to see it you know, solidify itself. It's not that I'm wishing for the title to change hands per se, BC, but if it does, it not only shows parity at the top, but I think it creates um, all of these great matchmaking possibilities and do-overs between some of the best the fight game has to offer. I, I'm very intrigued by that co-main. Yeah, I, I, you're, when you say co-main, which one do you mean? The straw weights or the flat? Because I think... Straw. Oh, that, okay, so... Technically, the strawweights are the co-main event. I take that back. Okay. Yeah. yeah, look, look, that's in my wheelhouse. You know how much I love the strawweight division. You know how I've been harping for six, nine months that, that this fight, Rose versus Whaley, is one of the two or three best the promotion could make. Former champion who, look, when she's at her best in Rose Namajunas, is like an all-time great best. Like like her ceiling, when she reaches it, the, the, the cool, I guess the intriguing thing about her career is that she's been so up and down. There's been so such uneven performances or even that first Andrade fight where round one, she looked like the greatest straw weight of all time and then round two, she gets dropped on her head and we're talking about potential retirement. She's had one of the more unique careers. I think when she won the title, Luke, against Joanna, uh, she had a record of six and four coming into that. So you can see that nobody's really had a career like Rose, but at the same time, nobody, I think, presents the same unique combination of skills and st- I- I- that to give Whaley a hard time. I mean, Joanna basically fought Whaley on the terms of this is going to be a war I'm going to give you every single thing I have do you have the backbone to stand up to that Whaley did she had the cardio she had the toughness she had everything it was a great fight you could flip a coin I guess on who won Whaley won it we advance I think Rose has the best potential with the long arms the submission game on the ground the really crisp boxing when she's dialed in to to keep uh to, to make Weili Zhang show us a plan B that we haven't seen her really have to show. I mean, look, she she walked through Andrade to win the title, and I think Jessica had a bad game plan and just kind of fell on the sword, you know, indirectly in that regard. We didn't learn a ton from Zhang Weili's first three UFC fights. We learned a little bit about, about her potential and her skill sets. But I want to see her have to make key adjustments. There wasn't a ton of adjustments against Joanna because it was two trains that just kept colliding for 25 minutes. I'm not going to sound ignorant there. Obviously, they both had to do things to get certain bursts of momentum in their favor. But Rose could take, could take Whaley completely off her game and make her have to do something completely different. So I want to see that. To your point, Luke, I want to see this era this great era of women's strawweights continue to put out classic fights with its top two, three, four, five fighters. You know, it's it's interchangeable at this point. It's great to see. Luke, It's uh, I want to touch quickly because we're talking storylines. I know I just leaped more into X's and O's, but we're talking storylines here. It's Wednesday. 
There is that storyline that you addressed, I guess, with Rashad when I was away on vacation, but the better dead than red fiasco, if you want to call it that, with Rose Namajunas, who did an interview with uh, Lithuanian TV and radio, and, you know, talked about her family's issues with communism under Russian control in Lithuania and the hardships they went through to emigrate to the U.S., but, you know, probably unfairly linked Zhang Weili into it and assumed her political stance just because of her connection to fighting for China, right? Which has a, a, a communist political st- setup. Uh, Zhang Weili did in, end up responding in the past few days and kind of did a, you know, you don't know me, don't jump to conclusions, you don't actually know what I believe thing. Is there any thought process here, Luke, that this will have a role in the fight itself? I mean, to Rose's credit, her words got misconstrued. Some people thought it was a little bit racist. Some people just thought it was ignorant. I, I mean, you know, all things considered, it was her way to motivate herself, probably the wrong, wrong way to go about doing it. But she's obviously got some hurt and pain connected to her family and her life. And this means a lot to her. Is she going to regret doing this is really what I'm asking, you know, at the, yeah, I, at the I end don't, of the day. I don't even understand why she would do it. If you are Lithuanian by heritage... And you were born, I think she was born one or two years um, after the fall of communism. Well, the fall, I should say the fall of the Soviet Union, excuse me. And so the Baltic states, Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania all got liberated. Um, you know, and you grew up in a world after that, which I still, you know, you're still feeling part of that, of course. But you grew up in a world after that. And you know what your parents and your other relatives went through. If you know that, and I'm not here to say that the end of the Soviet Union and its collapse is identical to what is happening in China. China has its own culture certainly uh, a very distinct one at that their their system of government is wildly different in many ways than that of the soviet union and um and whatnot but we also know that there's a lot of political repression that happens there um, especially if you're a uyghur muslim which she's not but you get the idea all i'm pointing out is dude if you know about the pernicious and evil effects of communism in the 20th century wouldn't you say you feel like zhang wiley is also a victim like, you should have a degree of sympathy for her because she can't speak out. And it's not that easy to leave. And especially if you want to leave your whole family behind. And they have some freedoms, but not the ones we have here. And you kind of just make a choice about how you want to live your life. And so, uh, all, all the while, suffering under uh, a repressive regime. You, you you should extend an olive branch to her, at least after the fight. You know, if you got to hype yourself up to fight someone who's very difficult ahead of time use whatever you got to use and i get it i you know i, I don't think like, condemning rose is going to fix anything but she probably should reflect on it and if anything you should have a camaraderie to a degree with someone like zhang wiley not not this weird she's an agent of the state take i, I didn't understand that at all yeah i mean to to, to to give rose any kind of uh not not credit but like defense here uh, both in the initial interview and when she was asked about it this during fight week this week. And by the way, I will be talking to her later today for morning combat. She did say, look, there's nothing personal against Wei Li. You know, I, like I want I'll be friends with her after. That's fine. But, I, but look, when you throw someone's name into it, it becomes personal. Um, it's just, it's interesting uh, because Rose is somebody who's always been so not only quiet, she doesn't get caught up in trash talk. I mean, look, Ioana came at her ahead of that first title fight with some of the most aggressive attempts at getting in someone's head. And as we remember, it even crossed over into Ioana saying some pretty poor things about mental health and uh, Nama Yunus's family history, you know, her father's history with, with mental health, which led to his death and really some, some shitty stuff, right? Ioana was, was trying to make it grimy. Rose stood in the face of that, didn't respond negatively, knocked her out. And then afterwards kind of took a public stance that I think we have a greater responsibility as fighters, as 
as promoters of this brand within the cage to, to, to be nice to each other, to show that it doesn't have to be about fake or real trash talk. So even though I don't think Rose was actually intending to talk trash when she went down this road, she unfairly linked Wei Li. And now it's going to be interesting, Luke, if that doesn't matter, if we're going to have a, a great fight and who cares, or if that'll motivate Zhang Wei Li more than maybe she would have, or how is the crowd going to respond to either of them? It's interesting. It's worth at least touching on, whatever that Let me ask you a different say. question. It's not even about Rose per se. Do you expect, not that I'm saying that I do, so we're taking ourselves out of this. I'm just asking a, a, a blank question. Do you expect professional fighters to have enlightened political takes? No. No. Yeah, I mean, I think you got to be careful with this one because she, you know, she carries the name of the Lithuanian people. Her, yeah. her relatives directly suffered under... Um, you know, the USSR. I mean, there's a lot of things of, of real pain and repression that you should not, none of us should take away from the worldview that Rose Namajunas has. And also, I've run into any kind of fighter who is well-learned, erudite, uh, rational. But as I get older and older and I keep covering the sport, I find myself less... I don't think we should be policing their takes as much as we do, uh, especially when it comes to that kind of a thing. I don't, I don't well, that's know why that... I think that's why I think the handling of this was went a little bit too far, meaning people calling it racist because like I get what Rose was trying to say. She, you know, she doubled down and said it said it's nothing against Wei Lee. I'm just trying to speak out against communism. And then, you know, who's gonna stand here and say yay communism, right? You right. get that. But right. you know, it's also a bad timing right now. We're we're you know, we're getting woke in the right ways to Asian hate, you know, risen jokes notwithstanding, right? We're, we're, we're right, awakening right. our eyes to, to mistreatment, uh, uh, rightfully so, of so many different groups. And uh, so it was bad timing in that. But uh, again, you know. I'll, I'll just uh, say this because, point. you know, in the, uh, obviously you saw a lot of really warm sentiments yesterday with the, with the, the Derek Chauvin case uh, going to the jury and him finding him guilty. You saw a lot of sports brands like DC United put out a statement about it. And certainly, if you read the message, you know, obviously this is a deeply tragic moment for the country, although there was some accountability that was served. And, you know, these organizations that have lots of, you know, black leadership or black players, you know, they feel like a very important moment to speak out as an organization. But here in the fight world, I got to tell you, like, do I want the UFC weighing in on the murder of George Floyd as as heinous and uh, just evil as it was? I, I got to tell you, I don't think that I do. Um, I think it, there's, I'm not saying there's no case for the intersection of no, politics and sports. There absolutely is. But forcing a brand to have a, a take or policing it all the way is yeah. I don't know how I feel oh. about that, BC. I don't want to be in a world where, oh, this brand didn't respond publicly, so does that mean they're upset? Like, you know, just like, I don't know. I want athletes to have a, 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 a platform to say whatever they want, right? You shouldn't say shut up and dribble, but I don't want necessarily right. slogans on uniforms. Just my take. So whatever yeah. at the end of the day, Luke. I know. It's like, uh, oh, did, did, did Foot Locker weigh in on climate change? It's like... Do I give a fuck what Foot Locker has to say? I don't. I don't think that I do. Anyway, different discussion for a different time. Uh, final bit of notes regarding 261. Uh, Jessica Andrade in interviews this week said, "I don't think Amanda Nunes is is the pound for pound best female fighter in the world. I actually think it's Valentina Shevchenko." Hmm. Look, I care about whether you believe we're at a point where. Um, Amanda Nunes is stand like her record. You, I mean, what the hell are you going to say negative about the lioness, right? I mean, <laughs> she's she's the damn goat, right? But I think you can be the GOAT, like John Jones, in my opinion, but not necessarily be the pound-for-pound pound best at the moment. So at the moment, should more people be saying, hey, 
Valentina's so great, maybe she should get a third of the vote of the pound for pound queen. You know what I mean? I mean, do you care about that? Um, that's an interesting question. That's a great question, BC. I, I, I would say though, I, I don't get too hardcore into the share of debate and rank choice and all this shit. I would just say that it's it might be true that Shevchenko is a. I'm saying might might be true that Shevchenko is an overall more talented fighter, and she can't beat Amanda by virtue of the size disparity. It's just a a little too hard for her to get over. Not that that's the only reason, but, you know, it's a big contributing factor because they're more or less equal in technique. Um, I, I can understand that, but at the same time, if you just look at their resumes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The level of devastation that she has run, you know, maybe if, if Shevchenko keeps going, she will either meet or surpass it. She's still very early in her championship journey, I would argue. But, dude... Are we really going to argue that her resume in MMA is better than Amanda Nunes's? No, even no. Uh, accumulatively, I just don't think you can make that argument. No, and I think not going in Shevchenko's favor is how how bad until now this women's flyweight division has been. I mean, look, look, Andrade is going to be a tough, uh, a great name on the record if she can beat her. And you know, she did beat Ioana, but above her preferred weight. Yeah, I'll give you know. Valentina all credit all day at 135 when she handled Juliana Pena e easily. She beat Holly Holm. I mean, you know, she beat Sarah Kaufman by split decision. She's got some wins there, but not, but look what Amanda has done. You, you can't even, you know, you can't even. So let's, it's just let's, let's roll on. It's not, dude, it's not just the wins. She was blowing these fuckers out. You know, it wasn't yeah, even she's, close. She's been yes, destroying. Shevchenko had the nice win over Jessica I and, and Pena and stuff. But in general, dude, you know, some of these go all there. And yes, Amanda's had those moments too, but you know, you just rack up the amount of devastation that Amanda has caused, and then among women, no one matches that. Not even Cyborg. No one does. Indeed. All right, Luke. Uh, one on TNT is back this evening as we record this on Wednesday. Uh, it's one on TNT 3, and it's headlined by former UFC hard-hitting bandweight John Lineker against Troy Worthen in a featherweight bout. You're also going to get a Muay Thai bout between John Wayne Parr and your, everyone's favorite European DJ, Nikki Holzen. Holtzkin, Luke. Holtzkin. Uh, Holtzkin. Uh, will you care at all about this? Let's be fair to one, but will you yeah. care at all about this? Yeah, dude, that fight is tremendous. John Wayne Parr is an abs... John Wayne Parr, um, you know, who were some of the early MMA pioneers out of Australia? The king of rock and rumble, Elvis Sinisek. And, you know, it was like Anthony Parash, the hippo and shit. You know, when all that was happening, and frankly, even before that to a degree, although uh, Elvis has been around for a long time, but, um, dude, John Wayne Parr has been an absolute fucking beast of a human in the kickboxing Muay Thai world all this time. His, I mean, just look up Parr is spelled with two R's, P-A-R-R. -R. Look up John Wayne Parr. I mean, his, he's fought everybody. In fact, I think he's retired a couple times. He still keeps coming back. His face is all scarred up from Muay Thai. And to take on a guy like Nikki Holtzkin, I think Nikki is, you know, uh, for a time, was one of the best kickboxers in, in the world. Certainly the best in his weight class for a time. If you've never seen his fight with Bazooka Joe Valtellini at Glory, it's just tremendous. So, yeah, dude, that fight, I mean, I, I think Holtzkin will win, but motherfucking John Wayne Parr, you better put some respect on his name. That dude is an OG.
Yeah, one of our great, one of our great UK uh, viewers, the great Dan Silifan, uh has has shot like a John Wayne Parr documentary in his spare time. So yeah. uh, he talks in my DMs often about that. He's got a great cat named Millie. Shout out to the old G there that has appeared on our fan <laughs> submissions before. But uh, yeah, Luke, I'll tune in. Also, uh, one announcing that Eddie Alvarez, fresh off that weird DQ, will be back next week in the final one of these four one cards in a row. Luke, he'll take on the winner of Murat Gafarov and OK Ray Yoon. Do you care? Uh, Gaf- I think it's Murat. Go- I, th- I could be wrong about this. In fact, I probably Gafarov. am going to say Gafarov. Gafarov? Yeah, Gafarov? Yeah. They're fighting uh, at welterweight yeah. tonight, Luke. He's very so good. That's, he's that's very a quick good. turnaround. Yeah, he's very good. Quick. Going back real quickly to the kickboxing record of John Wayne Parr, he's had 45 wins, 34 losses, and one draw. Nine. Uh, excuse me, 45 KOs. 99 wins. I think he's looking for his 100th win, BC, in world kickboxing. According to Wiki, he made his debut at Lumpini Stadium, which for folks who may not know, in Thailand, there are two stadiums that are considered to be the very elite ones. Lumpini is a big one, and Raja Domnern. And Lumpini might be the... I could be wrong about that too, but I think is the more elevated of both of them. In any case, 1997. 1997, he made his debut in Lumpini Stadium professionally, and he's been fighting all this time. Fucking legend. Yeah, he's got a pretty beat-up face, Luke. Yeah, he does. You got, you got, you know, 100, 100 wins and 34 losses. Your face is going to come out looking a little bit different on the other end. One championship also turning Rug Rug Umar Kane around very quickly. I believe he'll be in next Wednesday's card as well. Smart move there. All right, Luke, we got a lot of bullshit to get through here on the show today, so let's get right into it. Let's Sometimes do it. we do this on Wednesdays, and most times you hate it because I read tweets awkwardly that involve current young people lingo like fascio or is it faux show, Luke? For sure. on that. Yes, I can't it's- wait for you to say on fleek and turned up. Yes, turned up, my 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 homie. Uh, it's called Social Justice Wednesday. Let's bring in the Honorable uh, uh, Judge Luke Bader Ginsburg here to break down these street beefs that we got going on in these uh, MMA world here. It's Conor McGregor versus Nate Diaz again. So McGregor came out with a anti-steroid rant on Twitter, Luke. And uh, Nate responded. He said, McGregor fast system. This is what steroids do for you. And showed a McGregor on the losing end there. Let's keep it going. That's hilarious. These guys, these guys, I mean, are you not committing a crime by fucking saying shit like that? You know, without any evidence? Well, can we have an opinion anymore in this life? I guess not, Luke. Okay. Connor quote tweeted and said, silly goose. That was pre McGregor fast. McGregor fast was created in the aftermath of that fight. Here's an image of direct result of me following the McGregor fast program. Your face left like a bowl of leftover salsa. Now download the app. You little juice head Turkey. You know what? McGregor McGregor won that one. McGregor won that one. That's UFC 202, their rematch. Is he saying that he... Is he accusing Nate of being on steroids? That's what he's doing, right? They're both accusing each other of being on steroids, which is, you know, silly and idiotic. But here's the thing, dude. You call down the thunder, you know. uh, Don't be surprised. I always say this, BC. If you try to fuck with people, don't be surprised if you succeed. And he succeeded. That's, That's true. Well, you Nate know? comes back, Luke. He says, at Connor, so I bought, I brought McGregor Fast to life for you, and you didn't use it against Mayweather, Kebab, or DP. You're supposed to learn and grow in this game, Grasshopper, not keep fucking up the same way like a rookie. Okay, Nate that's nice. That's and, good. That's good. And, and here comes Nate again. 
I'm right up, I'll write up a Diaz conditioning system to show how it's really done anyway and shit on this stupid ass Gregor fast bullshit. <laughs> this dumb F just copies all my moves anyway, trying to get on a bike and swim and shit. Bruh, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. <laughs> Connor says, Diaz slow has a nice ring to it. Go get him, champ. That's it, Luke. Who wins? Um. Okay, Diaz recovered a little bit. He recovered a little bit, but I still think McGregor got the best of that one. Don't you? Because at the end, he was kind of just like, all right, motherfucker, like, this is not worth my time. And then the one zing he put an effort in was pretty good, you know? Yeah, I think I think Connor I mean, won. You're the judge, Luke. I don't tell Judge Clarence Thomas where to put his, what coke to put his pubic oh, hair Oh, God, you can you compare I mean? me to somebody who's got a better sense of jurisprudence than that stupid fuck? Jesus, at least give me Gorsuch or, you know... Uh, you, think I know, you think I got trading cards of Supreme Court judges, Luke? You think I care about that? I mean, I'm from Just, a factory Justice is, right? but yes, golly, I got the I'll, worst I'll one. shirt. Yeah. All right, Luke, let's keep this going here. Um, so here's the deal. During the Jake Paul Ben Askren... Can, um, can, can I stop for a second? Yeah. I find this shit with DC and Jake Paul and everything else, and like, I, I hate everything about it. I hate right. everything well, take, about continuing to do this shit. Gaff, take this tweet down for one second. Let me set it up. Uh, th then this will be the last time we ever talk about it today. So here's what happened. In the locker room, you know how boxing works. A member of one training staff stands in the locker room of the others as he gets his hand wrapped to make sure there's no Antonio Margarito situation. Correct. So basically, Tyron Woodley was representing Ben Askren when he stood in the locker room when Jake Paul got wrapped. Jake Paul has former um, boxing... Really on love, right? Jay Leon Love, yeah, he was a junior middleweight, a, a middleweight, a super middleweight contender. Never what a, run one an of Floyd's proteges who just didn't pan out. Was one of Floyd's like first fighters that he promoted, along with Badu Jack. He was pretty damn good. Didn't win a world title. I don't want to say he was a disappointment. I mean, he's a good fighter, Luke. He just didn't get over the hump. He was talking shit straight on to T. Woodley. The video kind of went viral. A lot of people were tweeting it out, like acting like Jay Leon's some scrub. He's not. He's a pro boxer with hands. He's not going to back down from Tyron Woodley, right? Would, would he lose an MMA fight to Woodley? Yes. But he's a grown man who fights for a living, Luke. He's going to stand up and be tough. So DC saw the video, and he tweets out, I mean, the way this dude talked to T-Wood makes my skin crawl. All these kids are going to get taught a lesson, I swear. And I can't wait for it. At Jaleon Love, you can't fight. Better respect dude like Woodley before he puts his hands on you. He ain't Ben. Luke, is that a good take? Because no. Jaleon Love can fight. He can. No, no, it's not a good take. It's a terrible take. I mean, he might be right in the sense that, you know, Tyron's not Ben. Okay, fine. But, uh... And I understand being pissed. I don't like seeing Tyron disrespected by Jaleon Love either. It's not like I get warm feelings watching that. I get a little annoyed by it too. I think some more respect should be put on Tyron Woodley's name, even if he's you know fallen off a little bit. Here's my point. Everybody, if your boy signs up in a boxing match, which he should never have done, but decided to do to get the money, which is fine, you can do that, and you get stretched... You can't afterwards keep the beef going by like, oh, yeah, but if we did this, well, you see, then it'd be different. You want to have them stop talking shit to us. Stop signing up for shit you can't win, period. <laughs> because we all, all right. know if that was an MMA contest, even with a hip replacement and everything, I feel like Ben would have torn him limb from limb. I legitimately yes, mean that. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. But you didn't sign up for that. 
Your member, your co-member of the 2008 Olympic wrestling team did not do that. He signed up for a boxing match. Take the L. Take All it. Right. Well, because you DC earned it. Was, DC's the one stirring the pot here. So let's get some reactions. Jay Leon Love quote tweeted it and said, Hey, fuck you too, DC. Okay, there you go. Jake <laughs> Paul quote tweeted it. Oh God! And and then okay. hold on. And and then there's this part. You got you've got Daniel Cormier, one of the very best representatives this sport has and has ever had, and he's going back and forth with this homunculus fuck. I mean, what yeah, are he, we doing? Yeah, he should probably focus more on Canadians, Luke. He, so Jake Paul says, okay, fat boy, so me versus you and Jay Leon Love versus uh, Tyron Woodley. Uh, Jake Paul came back one more time and said, bow to cook him up Cleveland style. And then, Luke, we had noted boxing videographer and journalist Ellie, take a step back, Ellie Sekback sliding in. He says, LOL, DC should stay in his lane. You can't compare Jay Leon Love's boxing skills to T-Wood. Jay has been around top boxing mind for years, from Emmanuel Stewart to Floyd Mayweather to many others. I've seen him box. Posts like this just expose how little you know about boxing. All right, Ellie Sekback. Wow. We close with Tyron Woodley getting the last word. Reporting, Tyron Woodley says, begging so hard to get your prostitute a gig in response to Jake Paul. You trying to fight everyone but me when you realize I'm not with the child's play. You froze like winter and started stuttering. You want real smoke or you want to keep patting your bitch ass record? End quote. End of White Dad BC repeating this stuff. Luke, uh, who wins this overall street beef here? Jake Paul times 10. Everybody wants a go at him because they feel bad about the way it went and the way it made MMA look. And they can say that they don't, but they all do. And, of course, you know, Tyron might be throwing his hat in the ring for a payday, which, whatever, fine. You know, it's just going to happen. Uh, not necessarily with him, but, you know, these, these things happen. But All right, gun, if, gun if, to your head. Hold on, let me just who say it one more time. If this happens and the people who win the effort talk shit, you don't have to like that. But to the victor goes the spoils. If you don't want Jake Paul talking shit about you, stop signing up uh, and encouraging members to sign up to get stretched because this is the result. Two last questions. I only want one word answers. Who would win a boxing match between Tyron Woodley and Jake Paul? Tyron Woodley. Who would win a boxing match between DC and Jake Paul? Well, I mean... At what weight? Like, are they even remotely the same size? Cruiser, it's all got to be cruiserweight. It's all Jake Paul's. It's you're in Jake Paul's backyard. Yeah, in that case, come. in that case, for sure, DC, because him having to come up that big, it's going to slow him down. And DC is going to be pretty nimble at that weight. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Well, that's yeah. all the beefs we have for the week there. Hey, we're going to go into a next segment, and it's the best thing going. I want to say combat sports, Luke, but I really think in all forms of digital media, really. I mean, let's be honest here. So here's the premise. There are questions Luke Thomas does not want to waste his time talking about and answering. So we created a segment about that. It is good faith answers to bad faith questions. It's called the wheel of death. Are you chewing food? No, I'm just really gross. Do you have, like, food coming out of your teeth? I have spit coming out, Luke, okay? See, here's the deal. I drink the whole episode, whether it's coffee, seltzer, water, Me because too. I put out so many fluids while I speak, Luke. I need to replenish in the moment. Here's the premise, Luke. Ten categories. You get five spins of the wheel. I'm sorry. You must hear my long rant, and you must respond with a good-natured answer. You get what you get. Here are your ten categories this week. 
I so wanna you wanna. Men who vouch for Bieber, show me your Johnson picks. Ortega definitely smashed. All triller, no filler. Canada's worst exports. Is Gaff trying to give people a seizure here? Uh, cinematic feels. Hey girl, you hungry? Old enough to remember Nico Montano. And finally, Luke, Billy Bong Thornton. Any hopes and dreams here, Luke? What do you want? The Billy no? Bong Thornton one captured my imagination, but right. knowing my luck, I won't you get. get that. Spin the black circle, Luke. Let's do this thing. Oh, Luke. Good Lord, does this fit the spirit of this show. I so wanna you wanna. Hey, Luke, former UFC women's strawweight champion, Yoana Young JTEC, told MMA Fighting this week that she texted UFC matchmaker Mick Maynard and said, quote, the baddest bitch on the planet is back. So book the fight, watch the fight, and tell everybody that I'm next. What Joanna Champion was saying, Luke, is she's been busy during COVID doing Polish TV, but she expects to begin a two-month training camp at ATT in May and wants the winner of Weili Zhang Rose Nama Yunus this Saturday. Considering your text response yesterday to me, Luke, when I pushed the idea of this Joanna topic making our rundown for the week, in which you responded with something I cannot repeat here involving Tommy Morrison, West Virginia, and a prominent immune disease. I figured this question fits the spirit of Wheel of Death so perfectly, Luke. Okay, so here we go. Considering Joanna is 33 and hasn't fought in 13 months since co-authoring the greatest fight in women's MMA history, entertain me by answering this roulette of Joanna-themed questions with good faith response. Number one. Which rematch would sell more pay-per-views as a main event? Yoana Rose 3 or Yoana Whaley 2? Yoana Rose... Well, Yoana versus the winner of Saturday. Yeah, which one, Luke? Which which winner? That's what I'm saying. Which, win, oh, which rematch just, yeah. would sell more? So, um, Nama Yunus. Nama Yunus, for sure. Ooh, interesting. We, we, we don't often see trilogies where somebody won the first two fights, but it could be interesting here. Question two, which rematch gives Yuana the best chance to win her title back, Whaley or Rose? Damn, she has a tough road no matter what. You know, I thought she beat Whaley, but could she do that again where she got, like, disfigured and stuff? She did take two rounds off of Rose. Um... Man, that's a great question. Oof. Best chance. I don't think she has a good chance either way, just to be clear. But I would say maybe the best chance, maybe against okay. Whaley. I think she's that she, you know she suffered in that fight too. She put some miles on as well. Um, I didn't think that, obviously the first fight with Rose and JJ was short, and then the second one, it was clear that it was three rounds to two. I, I really thought that Joanna won that fight with Whaley. So I'll guess I'll say that one. But even then, I mean, I, you know as well as I do, and the fans do too, she left, both of them, left a piece of themselves in the octagon that night. I don't think they'll ever yeah. be the same. I mean, how much worse? I don't know, but that was a lot. So I, I agree with you, sadly. I don't think Joanna will ever be the same. I think that was the very best she had left, and she had to use it all, and she came up just short. I appreciate right. your good faith response. Also, can people wake up and remember that Joanna Rose 2 is a great, a great fight? Great fight. Great Super fight. underrated. It's overshadowed by the fact that, you know, 
Uh, the first fight was this brilliant knockout. Rose won the second, almost like, you know, foregone conclusion. And then JJ has this insane fight. We think it's the best women's fight we've ever seen. You know, people just, you're right, they've totally forgotten about it. But if, you've, if, if you haven't seen it recently, it's, it's fun. It, it, it was, you know, at the beginning of round five, it was whoever wanted it more. Truly. Truly, that's what it was. What percentage, and, one to 100, what percentage do you give JJ of ever wearing UFC gold again in any division? Zero. Wow. Wow. Zero. zero. Yeah. So if she zero. went into a rematch with Rose or Whaley, you're saying she has zero chance to win. That's that's not smart, Luke. That's not <laughs> okay. smart. That's wrong. Yeah, she has more than that. But uh, stated differently, um, what is the likelihood that she would be champion again? Uh, 10%? 10%? 15%? Yeah, 20%? Single digits. All right. Well, final question on this one, Luke. Let's say, let's reimagine... 2021 let's say i'm 42 like i am now but i'm single and let's say you gave me two months to get in great shape what percentage would you give me one to a hundred of successfully sliding into yuana champions dms zero dude come on zero you're a, you're a you're, dude I, I mean i know that you have like you know people who larp in real time and they do like they play the harry potter sport game like Starts with the letter Q. I forget what it is. And they do Dungeons and Dragons. And then those idiots tell you you have BDE. You have less BDE than Stephen Hawking. I mean, it is. You're, 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 oh, you're God, a zero. Get out of here. Those are fighting words, dude. Come on. Zero <laughs> chance. Look, I'm not saying it's, it's, a, it's a likelihood. I'm not saying it's likely. <laughs> but, but, Luke, I got an outside chance, right? I, I could talk. I'll, I'll talk my way in, Luke. I mean, you have on. a greater chance of her calling the FBI on you than you do of... Well, <laughs> that's another topic for another day. All right, Luke, thank you for handling that correctly. Spin number two, Luke. Let's do it. I like the sound of the slot machines in this thing. All oh, right, Lord. show me your Johnson picks. No, Luke, this one's not about Representative Anthony Weiner's DMs. This one is about gambling. Ooh, in that absurd picture you tweeted via... MMA junkies Mike Boner showing the shape that 37-year-old Anthony Rumble Johnson is in entering his May 7th showdown with Yoel Romero in Bellator. Gaff, can we show that picture, please, to set this up? Yeah. Here is a man who has never played Quidditch. Gaff? Where's that? Where's that photo? Where's that money photo? There he is. Oh, my God, Luke. Look at that Johnson right there, right? <laughs> Woo! Wow. What's your question? All right, Luke. I, look, I'm going to be honest with you. When I saw this, it made me rethink the odds I'm giving on who wins this Grand Prix. Of course, you can only see Rumble and Romero May 7th on Showtime. But um, I know we did a Grand Prix breakdown and update on Monday's MK. But per usual, Luke Thomas, you skirted out without making any picks for the future or without addressing the gambling realities of what's left in the tournament. So since this is Wheel of Death, Luke, and I want you to be uncomfortable, I want you to be as uncomfortable as looking into the teeth of Yanni the Greek and knowing there's a chance you go blind. That kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> Give me a list, Luke, from best to worst of the five remaining fighters in the 205-pound tournament in terms of their, their chance to win the whole thing. Keep in mind how great Johnson looks in that pick and how much that might change your original thoughts on this tournament. From best to worst of the five remaining fighters left. All right, so power rankings, right? Yep. 
I'll go Nemkov one. I'll go Bader two, only because Nemkov is one and Bader's on the other side of the bracket. So um, you're only saying Bader two because he has a potentially easier path, meaning he only has to win right. one more fight to get there. Uh, all right, all right. And he has to so. fight someone, yes, who beat him quite badly, but he at least has experience with him. Uh, I'd probably put Rumble third. Um, I don't. I just don't believe Romero can win the whole thing. You know. Um, well, maybe I do. I uh, yeah, Rumble third. Romero, then Corey. And I'm probably sleeping on Corey unfairly. I apologize. You are. But yeah. Especially since Corey's going to beat Bader, Luke. I'm sorry. He is. The question is, he? is can, he beat, can he beat Nemkov in the finals? That's the only question at this point. But I appreciate your opinion and your commitment to this topic. All right. Let's roll on, Luke. I was hoping you would say Rumble's going to win the whole thing. I saw his abs. I've seen the Johnson, right? No. You, you know. Okay. All right. Spin number three. Here we go. Oh, hey, look at this. All Triller, no filler. I promise this is the last time we ever talk about Triller. I really mean that this time. I don't, Luke, I don't believe you. The debates still persi persist online whether Triller's estimate of 1.5 million pay-per-view buys for Jake Paul Ben Askren was accurate or not. But let's give him the benefit of the doubt. For the sake of argument, let's say this upstart promotion tapped into the market with this giant pay-per-view. If they did 1.5 million buys, Luke, just so you know, okay... That would be the fourth biggest pay-per-view in UFC history after Conor Habib, Conor Diaz 2, and Conor Dustin 2. Conversely, it would place it in the top 10 in boxing pay-per-view history. So, using active pro fighters only, so I mean no Floyd, no Habib, no Mike Tyson, for example, and excluding any YouTubers or any cross-sport fights like Mayweather-McGregor, name for me. Three main event fights in either boxing or MMA that you would feel most confident betting your one-year salary could outsell Jake Paul versus Ben Askren in 2021. Which fights would you be most confident betting could beat 1.5 million of active fighters? Yeah, it didn't sell 1.5. I can just tell you that right now. Um, okay, but let's assume, let's assume for the sake of argument that it did. Who could you do? You could do um, Connor versus Jorge. You could do that. That would wow, sell. Wow, that's a, that'd be a massive fight. You think that goes one point five though, with like no title at stake and just a grudge war? Yeah, if they put the BMF up, I bet it could. I I, I okay. really think that one would sell huge. Yeah. Um, you could do maybe Connor Nate too is what or Connor Nate three I should say. Um, you could do that. Let me think. I think. Um, See the crossover ones would be big, like if you did Jorge versus Canelo. That no, would be we're not big. doing crossover. We're not I doing know, crossover know, ones, Luke. Okay. Um, you know, do we think that Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua can clear that? Maybe, maybe. With a with a great, a lot of these have the asterisk, Luke. Of we need a really good promotion. We need like a three month build where they're traveling around the globe, doing press conferences, pushing each other. Right? You really yeah. need to stir this thing up. And I think, um, so those are, I would say those two, and then I would say, man, I don't know. I don't know about a third one. I mean, 1-5 is a lot. That's a lot. It's a real um, lot. Jones, I don't think there's a permutation that would do it. Uh, unless Brock came back, 
But even then, I'm a little skeptical it clears 1-5 with Brock, you know? Because he's a little bit damaged goods at this point. Um, it's a fair point. I see. So I, I, I'll, I'll agree. I think Connor versus Jorge for BMF belt will do it because people are going to pay for what they know they're going to get. They're going to get a war, right? That fight could not be anything but a war for as long as it lasts. I don't think as we stand right now, Connor Nate three would do a million and a half. I think it would do just short because second and third fights of rivalries don't tend to exceed the first one. And I feel like both. You know, they're, they're a little bit damaged from where they were in the first two fights, right? Brand-wise, like a little bit. Just enough to, to pull us back down to earth. I wonder on Fury Joshua. I wonder on Jones and Ganu. I said it could do two, Luke. People thought I was crazy. I think with the right promotion, it could. Maybe no, I'm crazy. No, it couldn't. Mm -mm. All right. I don't think in boxing as we stand right now that you have any... With Floyd retired, like Floyd Manny too, it would do big, right? Floyd Canelo would be absurd, right? I don't, but you know, Floyd's not active. It's that's not fair to say. I don't think we have anything in boxing right now that can do that. Sorry, mm -mm. besides mm -mm. Joshua. All right. Right. Well, thank you for that, Luke. Let's do. You got two more spins. Hopefully, you don't die before then. Do Jesus. your vaccine. All right. All right. This is taking forever. Spin. That's the point, Luke. Okay. That's the point. Spin number four. Oh, hey, Luke, let's do it. Cinematic feels. Luke, you know what's one of the most fun and pure experiences that COVID has robbed from us over the past year? The joy of heading to the old movie theater, stumbling into the greatness of a first-run film that catches you off guard and provides you with that magic of emotions and feels that you didn't see coming, that only seeing a movie for the first time can do for you in the right setting. Now, full disclosure, Luke, I've asked you a version of this question in the past, and you kind of no-sold the shit out of it. So that's really what this segment is all about, to get you to talk. Luke, we've all had magical moments in the movies, right? I stood up and cheered in 1984 when the crane kick hit in Karate Kid. I exited Back to the Future the year later in 85 thinking that's the best movie I'd ever seen, right? Jay Aaron, full boner style. Um, you remember Star Wars Episode Seven, Luke? I got drunk for that. I laughed. I cried. We wanted so badly. I cheered to get a non-George Lucas Star Wars movie that entertained us. It was a moment. Doesn't mean that movie was great, right? It was just a moment in time. I want you to do this, Luke, okay? Dig back into your memory bank. Those memories that you can only get in a theater. Search the inside of your emotionless carcass and share with us your three most memorable in-theater movie experiences in which you caught the most feels. Not the three best movies you ever saw, but sometimes the right setting, the right time in your life, Luke, it'll hit you right in the heart. Saving Private Ryan was one. Um, I had to piss so bad by the end of that movie, I think I did damage to my kidneys. Um, Black Hawk Down. Oh god, there must be a military fucking connection here. Uh Black Hawk Down was another one. And then Did these activate your PTSD, Luke? Is that why it was so such an emotional thing? Or no, are they just they great just, films in your They eyes? were great films. I'm trying to think of another one. Oh, I mean action movies anyway. Um What's a third one that I had like all the feels in that one? Uh oh, you know what? I mean I even even when I watch it, but when I did watch it in the theater, uh even now, Coco, my my daughter's favorite movie. Like, there's a scene at the end, if you've never seen it where the lead character, Miguel, sings a song, and every time I hear that song, I well up with tears. I just can't help it. So there you go. Wow. Hey, Luke, you know, this old shitty segment sometimes really produces, you know, genuine moments. I appreciate hearing that. People don't always get to see the good side of you, Luke, right? Because you hide it. 
behind black I, metal t-shirts and overgrown beards. <laughs> I guess. Okay. All right. Uh, it looks like spin, Luke, you spin, have the energy. Spin, for, motherfucking spin. For one more spin. Final spin of the day here on the best segment of all time. Yay! Oh, hey, Luke, how coincidental is that? The one that you wanted we close with. Here we go, Billy Bongthor, and hear me out here. I got a speech to give. Luke, we're one day removed from everyone's famous cannabis holiday, 420. So you remember that recent question in Room Service Diaries that our MK social team did a great job of putting out the other day where we talked about which four UFC fighters would you want to party with to make the best night ever, right? It got me thinking, okay? Luke, I was just on vacation last week, and the downside of that vacation was the stamina and focus I needed to show while driving my family for 13 consecutive hours there and back from Connecticut to Tennessee in one shot, very short stops to pee and eat, back on the road. Luke, it's not for anybody, everybody, right? I can do it. You know, it's in me. It's not for everybody. But I'd much rather have been in the back of a comfortable limo hotboxing it across the country with an unlimited fast food and beer budget sitting next to four incredibly fun people. Sounds great, Luke, right? Right? Mm. So how about I change the stakes a bit from that room service diaries question for you, Luke? Imagine you win a nationwide Willy Wonka-inspired golden ticket from UFC President Dana White. And what you win is a hotboxed limo ride from your Washington, D.C. home to Vistar Veterans Memorial Arena in Jacksonville for this Saturday's UFC 261 card. Wow, Luke, right? Wow. You get to choose four fellow passengers to sit in the back of that hot box limo as you laugh it up and eat fast food from D.C. to Jacksonville. But there's a little catch in your selection of those four people, Luke, okay? One needs to be an active member of the MMA media who has never appeared on Morning Combat before. The second one needs to be a current or former UFC Women's Strawweight Champion. The third needs to be a UFC on-air broadcaster who has never had a pro fight. And the fourth needs to be any member of the Triller Fight Club broadcasting team from last Saturday not named Snoop Dogg or Pete Davidson. But Luke, as much as you're already enjoying how much fun this question is, there's a catch. You ready for this? The entire ride will be filmed for an upcoming UFC Fight Pass reality show pilot that if the pilot gets picked up on the basis of entertainment, Luke Thomas wins $1 million for his efforts. And I know what you're saying to yourself, you know what, that's cool, but if I win it or I don't, whatever. Oh, there's another catch to sweeten the pot, Luke. Should the episode be deemed not entertaining enough and it doesn't get picked up by UFC Fight Pass, you don't win the $1 million and... Your internet search history over the past two weeks will be read line by line by Yoana Young Chechek on next week's episode of DC and Helwani. You, you so think Luke, I you have shame? You can argue here. Do you, do you think for two fucking seconds I have shame over my internet search history? I'm not saying it's not vile and, you know, filled with all kinds of. Uh, Really, oh, I'm you know, here, things Luke. that are not appropriate for a younger audience. But uh, I, I, oh, I would adore having someone look through that and just to watch the absolute horror on their face. <laughs> wow, well, sure, I'm sure there's plenty of hummers on there, Luke. I'm sure there's plenty, right? Um, but Luke, that's pretty shameful. You don't want that. You don't want your enemies I taking. Don't, you know, I don't care. I fun. don't. 
I don't care. All right, so one more time. I forget all the, the I don't give a fuck about the uh, All right, I'll, I'll tell you. You need four people with you for a reality show. It's got to be fun, first Luke. One, it's got to be entertaining. One. First, one, first one is what's the condition? An active member of the MMA media who's never appeared on MK before. Danny Segura, next. You really think old Danny's going to hotbox it with you and make the magic? I love Danny, but is that, yeah. is, that, is that your choice? Yes, it's Danny Segura, yes. Okay, okay. Um, Luke, what I also need is a good faith reason why you pick each one. Because I like him and we would share good laughs. Okay. All right. In Spanish or English? This is only being broadcasted in, in America, Luke. I'm Los sorry. dos. Okay. All right. Number two, Luke, a current or former UFC women's strawweight champion. I mean, how many have there been? I mean, I guess Rose. <laughs> I guess Rose. Now, why? What's your good faith response for why that will help you Dude, win the million? Literally, literally, my motherfucking earbud, earbud, uh, earbud, whatever, died because of how long this fucking show has gone on. Let me switch here because now I can't hear for shit. You um, with production issues? Sorry, Luke. Never heard of it before, right? Yeah. Well, when the things run show. out of juice, even though they were charged before the show, you might want to rethink how long the show has gone. Um, all right. So yes, I'll say Rose. What's the next one? Wow, you uncomfortable during the segment? I guess it's a home run, right? Uh, and the final one, Luke, is any member of the Triller Fight Club broadcasting team from last Saturday, excluding Snoop Dogg or Pete Davidson. Damn, it was going to be Pete. I'll say Al. So your car that you're going to hotbox on camera with is Luke Thomas, Danny Segura, Rose Nama Yunus, <laughs> Al Bernstein, and your final choice needs to be a UFC on-screen broadcaster who has never had a pro fight. Uh, John Anik. I'm sorry, Luke. You failed this project. You uh, Was I supposed big, to say Joe Rogan? Big Latina booty will be read line by line by Joanna on DC. Buddy, let me Thank tell you, you, it goes so much worse than that. I mean, you can't yeah. even imagine the permutations yeah. I come up with. All right. Well, hey, thanks for submarining the end of what could have been just, you know, digital TV magic. You know, you know, I mean, sometimes, Luke, you know, sometimes the script's great. The acting, though, you know what I'm saying? Like Ishtar, right? You know? Yeah. Sorry, the script, Luke, right? the script on The script on this one kind of nubs, but okay. You know, they, they tried, right? They tried. It didn't work out so well. All right, Luke, that's the, the circle. We'll see if it ever comes back again. Final segment of the week, Luke, if you have any remaining energy, is when we honor those who honor us. It's fan submissions. And I think we've got mail. Morningcombat at gmail.com is your home to send in your pics, your artwork, whatever you got. Let's start out with Holly S. She says, hey, love the show. I listen to it on my commute every day. On April 7th, Luke said the best decision he ever made was joining a frat. And I wanted to say I feel the same way about a sorority. It changed my life in the best kind of way. Thanks for making my drive easier. Holly. Luke, that don't look like a... That don't look like... Holly? That's Ryan Hall. And he's next to a guy wearing a morning combat jersey. I don't understand this. Yeah, Mikey's got some explaining to do. Our producer, Mikey Moore. I'm sorry, buddy. That's not Holly, but thank you, Holly S., for supporting us. I'm sorry that you did have to give part of your life and soul to that, you know, all Greek gang there that, that bands together, right? Because they can't stand on their own like Luke did with his 
Teak Kappa Brojos. Uh, you know, that's cool. That's great. Hopefully you got the uh, branded tattoo to show for it. Uh, oh, Luke, sorry, there's a message here. P.S. My husband, Eric, went to IBJJF Worlds in December, one week after getting his blue belt. He had been training for two years and needed to go. While he was there wearing an MK hoodie, he met Ryan Hall, who was coaching someone else. Hey, Luke, how about Holly's husband, Eric S.? Sweet. <laughs> All right. Yeah. I'm tired, bro. I need a yeah, fucking yeah. nap. I'm tired. We got technical difficulties. We got co host difficulties. Uh, thank you, Holly. Eric looks great in that hoodie. Thank you. Uh, Andre L comes in. He says, Am I your only fan in Bahrain? By the way, Luke, I made that offhanded remark. Do we have fans in Bahrain? I got three DMs from some Bahrainians who watch this show. I love it. Andre says, No MK gear here, nor is it available. But my wife and I relocated to Bahrain from Canada prior to the onset of COVID. Keep up the fun segments, mainly creating awkward moments for Luke. <laughs> you know I got your back there, Andre. Uh, the constant banter and the brotherly characters, the maniacal good son and the aloof one. It's your friend, Andre. Thank you very much. That picture of him, Luke, with the camel, his daughter. Is that Burj Khalifa behind them? Hmm? That giant building? No? Is that in Bahrain or is that Singapore? That's Bahrain. All right, whatever. Uh, hopefully Andre's enjoying Luke um, one championship, the apprentice edition. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Damien B sliding in with two of them. He says, I just recently had an operation that included the use of three needles. Oh God, Luke, the doctor told me to dress comfy. So you already know I had to rock my MK shirt. I was slightly getting nervous getting the operation, even though they put me to sleep. But knowing that BC went through the same process made it a lot better. I appreciate all you guys do stay frosty. Luke, I never thought we'd get here to this moment right here, okay? The three needles, by the way, was the, without question, the worst moment of my life, the most pain I've ever felt, the most diminished my manhood have, has ever felt physically or emotionally or literally. And no, they wouldn't put me to sleep. They wouldn't even really give me any meds for it. The fact that people in our sphere would get that surgery while wearing MK, we made it. Bro, we made it. And by the way, why'd they have to put this guy out? Do you respect that, Luke, that they put him out? Uh, I don't care. All right, I'll take over this segment here. Uh, Damien, post-surgery, congratulations, brother. You are less of a man now, but thank you at Don't least you go for, dying on me. Thank you at least for supporting our brand while you went and did that, okay? I'm sure your libido is killed like mine, but that's okay anyway. All right, Hudson is sliding in with two. He says, hello, Luke Dino Thomas and Big Beige One and the whole MK crew. My name is Hudson. I'm a junior in college and I'm working on a student's budget, so I can't afford any MK merch. That being said, I had to find a way to show support around campus. I ended up with this horrific work of art. Is this art? Is art art, he asks. MK all day, every day. Luke, do you look at this as the greatest piece of submission and, and commitment to our brand anything has done? Or does this certify that Hudson does not fuck? Uh, I'm going to guess whatever undergraduate campus he's on, it's not MIT. Okay. He did send in another photo. I love the commitment, Hudson. Thank you, brother. And that's him. Luke, he may, he may F. Luke, he looks like a normal dude. No, um, I bet he would be confident letting you want to read his search history public. He's That's got, he's got, you know, he's a little bit, uh, I don't even care anymore. Go ahead. 
All right. And Mikey, I'm sorry I slandered you earlier. I didn't read the whole thing. All right. Let's bring in Jonathan here. He says, a fool is known by his speech and a wise man by silence. Here's a Luke Thomas inspired meme. Do we have audio here? No audio, Gaff says. So, Luke, it's a meme of you responding to uh, your own tech issues. All right. That's 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 on that's a, that's on point. That's funny if you've been hitting the head with a shovel. All right, Luke, this is great. Hey, Steve B says uh, he's got a Vitor Belfort vaccine meme <laughs> to share with us. Let's go full screen that's with this guy. Fucking hilarious. Yep. That yep. is uh yeah, you know, that Johnson and Johnson one, not just not up to the same standards, I guess. By the way, I am getting Pfizer number two on Saturday, so I hope to look like TRT 2013 Mohawked Vitor after it, Luke. Yeah, no but shit. But Luke, here's the deal. The first shot took me out of commission for two days. I hope I'm still able to, uh, you know, cover UFC 261 on Saturday. I could be. I think, I think you'll be fine. I mean, my understanding is even with Pfizer and Moderna, if you, like whatever one you have that's mild, then the other one will be a little bit uh, make you sick. So if you already got a little bit sick, the second one should be just fine for you. All right, Luke. Uh, Ryzen, not not the the Asian kickboxing MMA brand. He wanted oh, to God. know what you look like with your beard off. Luke, check out this. What he created. I look like I look like a overweight lesbian. <laughs> <laughs> right? Don't I? Luke, that's hilarious because it's true. You do. You do look like that. So I, um, my dad always had a giant bushy mustache. He still has it today. He cut it I, twice in my childhood. It's like days you'll never forget. He walked in. He looked like a ghost. I've been wearing the, you know, the shitty puberty beard for about five years because my wife loves it. I shaved it during the quarantine once, Luke. She told me to get out of the house and our marriage. Um, I'd be afraid to actually see what you look like now that I have this teaser in front of me with it. Don't ever shave, Luke. Don't ever. Okay. Okay, don't worry. All right. God, you're struggling through this show. We're closed with at Yeah, bro, Jonah. I'm on the motherfucking struggle bus. I'm tired. I need to get take a nap. We'll close with at Jonah Eat World here with an MK Photoshop. Oh, that's pretty good. You get so to be does Scorpion. It, does the new Morning Combat movie come out Friday this Friday, Luke? Is that I believe true? that I believe that's right, yeah. Will you be seeing it? Hundred percent. Morning Combat is still like maybe the only video game I'll play. That and Tetris. But I'll play some motherfucking, uh, um, I should say, Mortal Kombat. Yeah. You sound like Brian Custer there, sending us to hell twice on that live stream. <laughs> He's like, let's, let's go, go to our, let's go to our, let's, let's, let's go to our boys, Sub-Zero and Scorpion over at uh, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> boys, take it away. Oh, BC. There's no BC on BC crime there. That's, that's unacceptable there. All right. All We're right. Just hey, teasing. that's. We're teasing. Uh, we we appreciate the submissions, by the way. Thank you, uh, and that Holly. Thank you for your husband wearing that MK shirt, meeting Ryan Hall. We appreciate that. Everyone else. Yes, and I'm sorry that I have den gay fever, but I'm tired and I want a nap. Morning combat at gmail.com. Thank you for all of those that did enjoy the wheel that Luke sabotaged, and I don't think he would win the uh, one million dollars there. So that would be great there. Uh, let's wrap the show up quickly before Luke dies. Um, thank you to everybody for for taking part. Malka, Showtime, CBS Sports, all the people that add their love resources and sweat and hard work to make this show happen like us and subscribe please you can check out uh store.show.com for all of your merch needs there is our social handles below you can follow us and also of course uh your 30-day free trial you, you've memorized it at this point show.com forward slash bellator mma 4.99 a month 
for six months after that first one, or maybe it's five months. I don't know. Why don't you click on that link and figure it out yourself, jerk? Motherfucker, can I go? Shit. Yeah, just leave. Good Lord. I, 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 look, I'll take it home. Just leave. In fact, get up. Get it. Go. All right. No, we'll you, you do that shit, and uh, and uh, our Showtime producers fucking hate it when you do that. So I'm not going to do that. Mic drop, baby. All right. Uh, yeah, so for the great team, Gaff on the ones and twos, uh, we appreciate all you. Thank you. Please take care of yourself mentally. It's a reason why you uh, put the oxygen mask on first before helping the little ones, okay? You can get through this. We can do this together. Uh, we hope to be a beacon of light and hope during your week. This was Hump Day. We'll be back on Friday. Luke Thomas is live chat tomorrow, unless Moderna has killed him. Um, nah, my be, name is Brian Campbell. I'll be, I'll be fine by tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern. For the great Luke Thomas, I am your boy BC reminding you to, uh, you know, you can only hope that all of your ex-lovers have stayed satisfied. And uh, two more words for you. We out. That's it. That's it. I'm done. No more. I'm done. <laughs>